Welcome. So this week we're going to learn Pasha's Vayeshev. But before we start, I would like to add something to what we spoke about in Vayeshlech. We spoke about uh, the strange mystery of the Pachim Ketanim, where Yaakov goes back, you know, he's in danger, Esav is coming, and uh, is worried about his family, about all his people, and they cross the river, and he left some some cheap little jugs on the other side, and he goes back to get them. And the Gemara says, why is he going back to get them? I mean, he was fabulously wealthy. Why did he need them? So the Gemara says, because Sadikim mamaynam chavalav yaisim agufam. He knew he was putting his body in danger. He knew that he was at risk of being injured. Nevertheless, the Pachintana were more important to him than a risk of injury to his body. Why? Because Tzadikim ain't pushed in midayim begezel. Because they don't do anything which is gezel, anything which is smek, smells of theft. So this is really an amazing story. I mean, why would he why would he risk injury to go and get those pachim ketanim? And what does that have to do with Gezel? I mean, what difference did it make if he had another $5? Or he's so wealthy. So I spoke about it at length last week, and um, Rabidel Glock, one of my Cheshavah listeners, pointed out that I was getting to the end. I went a little bit too fast, and I did not explain it enough. And he's right because um, I tried to limit myself to about a half hour, and I felt that I was running a little bit late, so I did rush it up a little bit. There were another couple of things that I wanted to say, so I would like to um, clarify now. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but just made the main points. So last week, we saw that a person has three sides to him. I'm not going to go into the discussion of, um, of how we know this, but it's very clear that a person has three sides to him. He has a neshama, he has a guf, and he has maman. He has a neshama, which is three aspects to the human personality. The neshama is the spiritual intellectual aspect, the guf is the material aspect, the physical aspect, and the moment is the possessive asset aspect, that a person has money. A person is a possessor. And the purpose of this money is not to provide for the needs of the neshama or to provide for the needs of the guf. There is an independent aspect of a, of a person that a person has to have money. And I'm not going to get into this, the reasons why, which I explained at length uh, last week, but these are the three parts to a person. Now, the Pasuk says that after the whole story with Esau uh, and they parted ways, Yaakov and Esau parted ways, then uh, Yaakov went to Sukkos, and finally he came to Shechem, was about two years later, and it says, Vayova Yaakov Sholem Ir Shechem. Yaakov came Sholem, he was whole. And Rashi explains what does this mean, he was whole. Rashi says he was Sholem Begufoy, Sholem Begamoinoy, Sholem Begtoyrosoy. He was complete in his body, that means that he was wounded by the Malach and the wound healed. He was Sholem Begtoyrosoy, means that he came to, 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 so he was whole in his body. 
And when it came to Lavan, and the base Lavan, even though he always spent all his time in yeshiva learning and everything, but when he came to Lavan and he had to uh, spend a lot of time taking care of the sheep, he didn't forget his Torah. He still was a person. He was still was a ben Torah. He still was on the same madrega ruchnius that he was before, and he did not become less of a sholem in the tzad neshama. He did not become deficient in the tzad neshama. He was whole in the tzad neshama, even though he was in a situation where he couldn't learn as much as he did before. He was still whole. And he was whole in his money. What does that mean? Sarashi says that he had to give away a present to Esau. And that present he recovered it. The Medjur says that his, his flock became more fertile, and over the, the course of these two years, till he got to Shechem, there were many more were born, and whatever he gave away was recovered. Now, Shalom Begufai, first of all, now the, a person is a composite of these three parts, and, and all those things are integrated into one person. If a person is def- deficient in one of these, then the entire person is deficient. You have to be shalim begufai, shalom b'mamayne, shalom b'terasai. You have to be whole in all the three of them. The Rambam says in the Moira, I didn't mention this last week, but the Rambam says in the Moira, Chelik Beis, Perak that one of the prerequisites of Navua, a Novi, has to be well. He has to have a healthy body. Even though the vua comes into the mind, it doesn't get, come into the it doesn't come into the body. And what if a person has is not well? How does that? No, but if a person to be kept to receive the vua has to be a sholem. He has to be a whole person, not a, a deficient person. And part of being sholem is he has to be sholem begufoy. He has to his body has to be well, and he has to be sholem be. His neshama must be well, and the moment has to be well. Is what he possesses. Now, what does it mean to be sholem, whole in your money? A person is allotted a certain amount of money. The Baruch Shalom gives a person every year a certain amount of money, and this is this is his money. And this money, he's meant to. Uh, he could. He, he's, you know. Um, just because he's spending it doesn't mean it's being depleted. That's what it's there for. It's not, it doesn't take away from the wholeness. Gives him a certain amount of money. That money is spent on food and on tuition and on making a chasana, giving tzedakah. You know, that all these things, saving some, all these things are part of the uses of your moment. And if you do all these things, you're not depleting your moment. You're still shalom b'mamaynoi. However, what if a person is not Sameach Bechelkai? A person is Sameach Bechelkai, so this is his mom, and then he's happy with it. Yaakov said, Yeshli Koyal, I have everything, I'm not missing anything. But what if a person is not Sameach Bechelkai, and he's right the Fachra Mammon, and he's Yeshli Mamma right some besides Hoyev Kesev, Leyuzma Kesev, and he's constantly needs more and more money, then by that, he makes himself unwhole in his money. Then he's not whole in his money because he's not happy with it. He's not satisfied. So he has to go out and get more money and more money and more money. Then he is deficient in his sadha moment. 
the part, the aspect of a person, the possessive aspect of a person, is not whole. It constantly needs to be filled and filled and filled. That means he's not whole. So if a person is not happy with what he has, he is not whole. If a person, if somebody steals something from you, if somebody takes away, you have money, Brunson gave you money, and part of it is stolen, then you're not shalom with your money because this money was meant for me. Somebody else stole it. I didn't use it for the purposes that it was given to me. I lost it. It was stolen. If it's stolen, then you're not shalom b'maman. You're not. Now, when, when Yaakov sent the, the doyran, the present, to Esau, it says, Vataver al-pincha al-panov, it passed in front of him. So Rashi brings a medrash that Yaakov was very upset. He was upset that he had to give him this doyren. Now, it was a very nice, very handsome gift with a bunch of camels and sheep and goats, I really, really. But Yaakov was extremely, extremely wealthy. He, could, he didn't need that. He had plenty that he needed. There had plenty of money that he had. You see, at the end of Pasha Vayishlach, Esau had to, went to move to Seir. Why? Because the 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 the, 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 the I remember the Lashon of the Gemara, uh, of the Pasuk, that the land could not hold both of them because they had so much wealth. Esau had so much wealth, and Yaakov had so much wealth. So Canaan was not big enough for the both, both of them. So Esau picked himself up, and he moved to the mountains of Seir. Because it was, so Yaakov had so much wealth that there was no, no room for Esau together with him. That, that, that gift that he gave did not affect his, his standard of living, I'm sure. Nevertheless, he was very upset. Why was he upset that he had to give away the doyren? The reason why he's upset is because it was taken from him under duress. It's not that he liked Esau so much and he wanted to send him a present. He go give a, a chasen a present, you know. You're giving the chasen a present. You were happy. You liked the chasen and kali. You're giving them a present. That doesn't take away from your mom and you're still a shalom my night. He used your money to give a present. Here, he, used, he was afraid of getting killed. Esau was going to come after him. So he was afraid. So he had no choice but to give it away. By giving it away, he was mechaser his maman. Now he was no longer shalom b'mamaynoi. He did not, he was, he was missing wholeness. Yaakov, the composite Yaakov, who's made up of maman, guf, and, and uh, neshama, so by giving away the by giving away the the uh, the doyen, he became chaser b'mamaynoi. He was wounded by the malach. He became chaser begufoi. So Yaakov was not a whole person. A person wants to be the ideal of a person is to be an odom asholem, to be a whole person, not to be malfunctioning, to be whole. That everything should be everything be working. And Yaakov was now. Was, was was deficient in his goof and he was deficient in his moment. That upset him very much. He said, why am I, why, why am I being forced to give this? Now I'm not Sholem B'mamaynoi. But when he came to Shechem, Sholem Shechem, so the Pasuk tells us that he was healed from his wound, so now he was Sholem B'gufai. He never became Chaser in the Shama, but he became Chaser in his goof because the Malach uh, wounded him. So, so the wound was healed, now he was Sholem B'gufai, and his flocks grew very rapidly, from an extraordinary fashion. So then they recovered the doyrein. So now whatever was allotted to him, now he has it. So he's also shalom b'mamaynoi. So now he came with full shleimus. Shalom b'gufoi, shalom b'mamaynoi, shalom b'tayrosoi. He was now once again an Odom shalom. That's what the Pesach is telling you. When it came to the Pacham Tanim, 
Yaakov had three sides. He's a, a neshama, a gof, and a mammon. The tzad and neshama was his dominant side. He's a tzaddik, he's a, a you know, always, the tzad and neshama is his dominant side. But he has two other sides. He has a side, side of moment and side of goof. And they have to function. He has to be shalom with those in order that the whole person should be another mashalim. Like the Rambam says, if, you, if your body is not healthy, then you can't get nevuah because you're not another mashalim. Even though nevuah is going into your mind, maybe into your heart, but into your mind, it's not going into your legs. But if you have a wounded leg, then you can't get nevuah because you're not, you're not shalom begufai. So he had to be shalom. Now he's presented with a dilemma. He has a choice here. He has those pachim ketanim, which if he leaves them, they, they, they're, they're abandoned. He lost them. It's as if they're stolen from him. That means that they diminish his tzada moment. Then he becomes a chaser in his moment. He has, so he, and on the other hand, if he goes back to get them, he's at risk of being wounded. Then he will become a chaser in his goof. So he has two things facing him that he has to give up one. Either he will be chaser in his mammon, or he will be chaser in his goof. It doesn't matter how much chaser in your mammon. Chaser in your mammon could be $5, could be $5,000 or $5 million. Whatever the chaser is, you're not a shalim. So those pachim ketanim, Diminished from his sadam moment, and if he if he would abandon them, he wouldn't be shalom b'mamayne. But on the other hand, he wouldn't be wounded. So he'd be shalom b'gufay. However, if he went back for them, then he would be wounded, and then he'd be not shalom b'gufay. Be shalom b'mamayne. So why? So the tzaddik chooses tzaddikim mamaynam chavulav yosem b'gufam. The tzaddik chooses to be shalom in the moment more than to be shalom in the guf. Why? Because a person who is Sholem in his moment, a person who feels Yeshli Koyal, a person who feels whole, that my moment is whole, then such a person has no Nesiyonis of Gezel. Why would I go for Gezel? I'm complete. But a person is Chaser night, he feels, he doesn't feel whole, then maybe, you know, then there's a, a, a risk. Of the, so the Chatzadikim are mocked very much on Gezel, even the slightest risk. If you're not Shalom B'mamayna, then you could have a risk of Gezel. So it's not that he needs to replace the value of the Pachim Ketanem, because if he would leave those Pachim Ketanem there, then he would not be Shalom B'mamayna. A person who's not Shalom B'mamayna is at risk of Gezel. That's why when the tzaddik has a choice of being shalom b'mamaynoi, shalom b'gufoi, he will choose to be shalom b'mamaynoi. That's what I wanted to explain, why he goes back and he takes the, took those pachim ketanim. So now let's turn to Vayeshev. Vayeshev starts with the story of Yosef. And the, the brothers are jealous of him. They feel that he is a threat. And... And then they go out there, they go to and, and, uh, to Shechem, and Yaakov sends them there, sends Yosef there to check on his brothers. And they see him coming and they decide they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. So Reuven says, He saved him. How did he save him? He said, don't, don't kill him. Throw him into the bar. Throw him into the pit. And what's going to happen in the pit? He's also going to die. But 
don't, don't, don't kill him. Just throw him into the pit and let him die by himself. That's what Reuven says. So that's what they did. They put him into the pit. And then, and they're going to leave him there, he's going to die. So then, Yehuda says, what, what, what benefit will, it, what will you gain by killing him? I mean, leaving him in the pit is also killing him. What are we going to gain? Let's sell him. So that's what they did. They sold him. And they they uh, took his his son his possum, and they dipped it in the blood of a sh- of a goat, and they brought it to Yaakov, and Yaakov saw it, and he was beside himself with grief. Then the story of of uh, Yosef is mechira, and being sent out to Mitzrayim is interrupted. The Torah says, "Vayhiba it's the story of Yehuda and Tamar. The Torah interrupts the story of the Mechira of Yosef to tell you about what happened with Yehuda and Tamar. Why? So Rashi says, because it says, He went away from his brothers. So Rashi says, Why is this here? We made an interruption in the story of Yosef. His brothers demoted Yehuda from his gedula. means he was the leader. Yehuda was the leader. So they demoted him and they said to him, when they saw Kishod Sarasavim, when they saw how much their father was suffering, so they turned to Yehuda and said, you are demoted. You are no longer our leader. Why? You told us to sell him. If you are, if, if you had told us to take him back to our father, we would have listened to you. Okay. We have to understand what's, what this is, but let's, let's turn to something else first. They, they, they demoted him from his position of leadership. When was Yehuda a leader? How did Yehuda become a leader? Yehuda was number four son. How did he become a leader? And if you look before, Reuven says, Reuven heard that they were planning to kill him and he saved them. How did he save them? By telling them to throw him into the bar and he will die there, but at least you're not going to kill him with your hands. So Rashi says, Ruach um, HaKodesh is this that to save him this is Ruach HaKodesh the Rabbani Shalom is saying this that why, why did Reuven say to throw him into the pit what was his reason what was his motive why did he say this? Hashem is telling you in the Pasuk that his intention was to save him. Not to, he wanted to come back later and pull him out of the pit. He didn't want him to die. Why not?
Omar, he said, Ani Bechor, I'm the Bechor, I'm the oldest. The Godel Shel Bukulam, he's the leader, he's the Godel. Lo Yitla Asirchon Elabi, I'm going to be blamed. says, since I'm the oldest and I'm the Godel Shel Bukulam, I'm the leader, I will be blamed. So apparently, Reuven was the leader, which was appropriate since he was the oldest. It's appropriate that he should be the leader of the group of brothers, right? So at this point, Reuven is the leader. Now it says that they took uh, Yehuda and they demoted him from his position of leadership. So Yehuda was the leader. When did Yehuda become a leader and why? And then later you see that he returned to his position of leadership because when it came to Binyamin to take him down, he was the one that took responsibility. When it came to uh, confronting Paroi, Vayigash Yehuda, Yehuda was the one that stepped forward and, and, and confronted Paroi. So Yehuda was the leader. So he returned to his position of leadership. So we see that Reuven was the leader and then Yehuda became the leader then he was demoted from being leader, and then he returned to his position of, le of leadership. So what exactly was happening over here? So you would think that Reuven became a leader when he got up and he said, Ma betza, what do we have to gain by killing him? And they decided to reject Reuven's Eitza. Reuven said, let's put him in the, in the pit and he'll die by himself. Um, Yehuda says, no, let's sell him. So they, they um, rejected Reuven's Eitza, which they had listened to, but decided we're not going to listen to it anymore. And they accepted Yehuda's Eitza. Yehuda had a better idea. Let's sell him. So at this point, he became the leader, apparently. It was not before Reuven was the leader. So now he became the leader. And then, when they saw it didn't work out so great, they saw that the father was having too much pain, so then they demoted him. So, why did he become the leader? Because he came up with this great idea of, 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 uh, of selling him? Okay, it's a good idea. You have, a, a, you have a, a rab and a Talmud. The Talmud sometimes has a good svara. You have an abesdin, a Talmud, Talmud can speak up and say svara. Doesn't mean that the, that the bezdin goes off, Talmud goes up to the bezdin. You know, Reuven was the leader, and Yehuda came up with a good idea and said, oh, you know what, that's a good idea, let's follow that. Why did Reuven get demoted? At this point, Reuven got demoted. So maybe I could suggest that Reuven said he wanted to save him. Why did he want to save him? Did he think that was the right thing, to put him in the pit or to save him, or whatever it was? Why? He said, because I'm the Bechayr, and I'm the leader, and when there's going to be trouble, I'm going to be blamed. So Ruvain's what motivated him in his wonderful Eitzah of sticking him in a pit, what motivated him was himself, that he didn't want to get into trouble. That's what motivated him. Now, they, he didn't tell this to the brothers, but they must have felt it that his Eitzah was, was self-serving, that it really was not L'toivah inyan. it was not the right thing to do. Whereas Yehuda got up and he said that we should sell him because there's no gain from that. Yehuda was speaking about what the situation required. Yehuda had no axe to grind here. 
He could have just been quiet and let it go. He stepped up and he said, that's wrong, this is right, this is what's required. Reuven, even though he had an Eitzah, but they sensed that this Eitzah was not coming from the right place. So if it wasn't coming from the right place, therefore they demoted him. He was no longer the leader. Yehuda stepped up and he did give a good Eitzah, so he became the leader. After it didn't work out exactly the way they expected, they demoted him. When did he return to being a leader? I think that when he said Sotkom in many, after the story of Tomar, when, when um, you know, she was being taken out to be executed and she showed him the Simonim, he could have been quiet. He could have been quiet. It was a big busha for him that he went there to her, you know, to a prostitute sitting on the roadside that, that he had this, like the, the, the Rambam says, that a Malach pushed him. What Malach pushed him, the Rambam says, that he had this sudden desire, and that desire is a Malach. So a Malach pushed him, but Lamaisa, whatever it was, it was not a covet for him what he did. And he said, no, the right thing, I'm going to do the right thing. He got up and he said, Sotka, she's right, Mimeni is from me. And the Gemara says in Saita that Reuven, who was Bilbul Yitzui Aviv, who went and, and, and overturned his father's bed when, after, after Rachel died, Yaakov used to sleep in Rachel's tent. And uh, after Rachel died, so they expected he moved to Leah, but he didn't, he moved to Billah. Reuven felt that it was, it was not right. So he went into Billah's tent, the Pesach uses a strong word for it, Vayishkav, but the Gemara says in Shabbos that he didn't do anything, but what he did was, he took the bed and he, Kun Ramban says he took it away, or whatever he did, he, he did something with the bed that Yaakov couldn't sleep there. But nobody knew it was him. It was in the middle of the night, he went and he, and he did it. Somebody did it, who did it? So the Gemara says in Saitan, that Zainam obeys, that, you know, uh, that why, that Reuven was Maida, because he followed Yehuda's example. Because Yehuda said, Rashi brings the Medrash in Saita, that he immediately got up and said, I was the one who did that to my father's bed. So this is where he became the leader again. He say, he's, he's showing the way. So once he became the leader again, so everything that goes on and the rest of the Sefer with Yehuda, Yehuda returned to his position of leadership. Not only did he return to his position of leadership, but he was Zoycha, that the Melucha came from him. I don't know if Yehuda was destined for the Melucha when he was born. We don't see that anywhere. But once Yehuda became the Godol, and he, was, he, he, he rose to the occasion, and he became the leader, and he led with integrity, and then, and, and honesty, and then he became the leader, so then he got the bracha that he should be the melech, because he showed himself capable. So I don't know if before he had, he had that. We don't see that in the Pesukim. But later, once he, show, once he showed that he was a true leader, you have a godl, our gedolim, our leaders, if, they, if what they tell us to do is self-serving or they have some ulterior motives, that's not leadership. Leadership is to stand up, don't be afraid, say what you believe, say what's right, and show the way by being a true leader. Yehuda did that. Yehuda did that. Reuven did not. And that's why Reuven was demoted, and Yehuda became the Godel, and that's why he became the Melech.
Now, let's talk about what they said. They said to him, you told us we should sell him. If you had told us we should bring him back to our father, we would have listened to you. Why is that? They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. They agreed among themselves. They sat on a Besden and they were they were and and they they condemned him to death. Now you now Yehud will get, get up and say, you know what? Let's take him back to our father. We would listen to you. Why? Why would we, why do you, what, what? Why do you think that uh, that uh, that? Uh, why? What are they saying that we would have listened to you? And let's talk about what what Yehuda said. Mabetza. What do we have to gain by killing him? We know what he had, they had to gain. They want the removal of a threat. So he was threatening to them. So they wanted to, what do they have to gain? So Rashi says, which says in Uncleus, Ma momain. What kind of money are we going to gain? If we kill him, we will get no money. If we sell him, we will get money. What? You know, I mean... What is he saying? That, that uh, you know, we, we, we're killing him. We're not going to have any money. Now we're going to have money. So they sold him, and they got 20 shekel. And, uh, and, and it says in, in, in uh, they split it up among themselves, 10 of them. So each one got two shekel, a lot of money. And the and the Amos in the in the Aftari says, "Al Michram Bakasav Tzadik, they sold the Tzadik for money. Ve'evyoim Bavur Naloyim, they sold the pauper, which is I guess referring to Yosef, for shoes. That means they had twenty shekel. Each one got two shekel, and each one bought a pair of shoes. He sold Yosef for shoes." So what is, what is the Navi saying over here? They sold him for shoes? That's not why they sold him. They sold him and wanted to get rid of him. What's that have to do with shoes? He's saying, you sell him for shoes. It seems to be, according to him, that if they would have sold him for a big amount of money, it would have been less of a time than them. But since they just sold him for a pair of shoes, that's a bigger time than them. Why? The problem is that they sold him. The problem is they got rid of him. What's the difference how much they made? They made 20 shekel or 20,000 shekel. What's the difference? So I want to suggest that what, what, Reuven, what Yehuda was saying, Mabetza, is saying like this. There's going to come a time. You know, right now you're in the heat of the moment. You're in the heat of the moment. And you're all angry and upset. And you feel he's threatening. He just had his, he had his dreams. And you think, and, and you condemn him to death. But there's going to come a time when maybe you're going to calm down and you're going to rethink it. What did we do the right thing? You're going to have a question. You don't, you, you don't know that you're going to be in the same state of mind always. And then what are you going to say? If you made a mistake, how are you going to, how are you going to defend yourself? How are you going to justify yourself? If you sell him and you got money, you could say, but we're going to, you know, we, we got money, so the money made us, uh, we, we, it, it tainted our judgment. So you have, you have some kind of an argument in your defense. We got money. But if you got no money, and, he, and, and we do this, 
What are we going to say? What kind of peskampeh are we going to have to say in our defense, to mitigate our guilt? How are we going to do that? So let's sell him. We'll get money. And we'll get money. So then we could say, listen, we got money. So we weren't thinking clearly. We had shoichad. We weren't thinking clearly. So that's what the, the Novi says. The Novi says, if you would have gotten a lot of shoichad, then maybe you could say that, you know, your judgment was really, really compromised. All you got was shoes. That's not an excuse. It's a little bit of shaykhan. So a little bit of shaykhan, so, so it compromised your judgment a little bit. You're still very, very guilty. But if you had gotten a lot of money, then maybe you could argue we were overwhelmed, we were given millions, they came, they offered us millions for this event, so we were so overwhelmed by the offer we had, so we did it, but really you weren't thinking straight. Well, you got with shoes. What do you mean you weren't thinking straight? It's a little bit of shaykhat, but that's, that's, <laughs> so what did they say, why did they demote Yehuda? They said, they said to him like this, you told us we should sell him. So you convinced us that there may come a time when we will have a suffix, or we will not be so sure of what we did. And in the beginning we were very hot, but after you told us this, you said, you know, you have to think of the future. So, but they still, they still, you know, we want to get rid of him, so we'll sell him. But we have to consider that maybe, maybe at some point we're going to think that maybe it's not the right thing to do. Once you planted that germ in our minds that maybe what we're doing is not right, that we should consider that possibility and do something about it by selling him and getting money, maybe what we're doing is not right, maybe what we're doing, if we kill him, it's irrevocable and, and, it's, and, and we have no excuse, so we should sell him, so you planted that thought in our mind. Once you did that, then you could have gone to the second step and say, now you see, you can entertaining the sad that maybe this is not right. So maybe you think a little bit further. If it's a possibility that's not right, how can you take a risk to cause so much grief and so much pain to our father? And you know something? Once you came to that point, we may have listened to you and may have said, you know, since it's not so sure, since there's a possibility that it's wrong, therefore, we will desist and we'll take him back. That's what they were saying then. Okay. I want to conclude with one observation, which is a klal. Um It says that the Pasuk, that the Medonim Machrai sold Mitzrayim L'Paytifar Ezrezpah. The Medonim sold them to Parag. The Medonim, says the Medonim, Yishmaelim, right? We don't know what's exactly. Medonim sold them to Parag. After the story of um, Tamar, Yud and Tamar, then we return to the story. So from the Yishmaelim, here it says the Midyanim sold them, here it says the Yishmaelim sold them. So it's a stira. The Bible critics use this as proof that. Uh, you know, the Torah is much later and put together from different documents. But wh why? So, so the Rechaim says, Rashi says it was sold many times, but he doesn't really explain this last piece. So the Rechaim says that just because you have money, 
doesn't mean you're a businessman. The Ishmaelim, they had money. They had these spice farms, and, and they, had, they were farmers and they had money. But they didn't know how to do business. So in order to do business, they had these midyanim that came along with them. They were their brokers, and they took care of business. So when they had to make a deal, you know, they, they, the midyanim used to go out and make the deal, and the Ishmaelim took the money. I guess they paid commission to, to the midyanim, but the midyanim were the brokers, and the Ishmaelim were. And Rashi in, in the Oizvahadah Chumashim, there's a Moisef Rashi, I don't remember where he brings it from. Rashi says, Hein, hein, I midyonim, hein, hein, I yishmeilim. The midyonim and yishmeilim are the same, which I think is following according to, uh, I mean, they're definitely different people, but it's the same group. It's the caravan of yishmeilim with, uh, with, uh, with the midyonim traveling along as the brokers. So the Rechaim says that explains this. Who did the deal? The deal, the midyonim did that. They were the ones that negotiated the deal. They did it. But here it says that he bought, Yosef, Patifah bought him, Miyada Ishmaelim. From whom did he buy him? He bought him from the, from the Ishmaelim. So that resolves the steer in the Tupsukim. But why do this? Why say, I mean, it's very, very good and very lomdish. He made the Maisa, he had the Chaloyis, I understand. But why would the Torah do this that, to, to, to create confusion? They hid the Midyanim, sold him. And he, the, the, he got it from the Ishmaelim. No, the Pshat is very nice and it's very good. I think Rashi agrees with this Pshat. But why? So I want to point you to Va'era. Va'era, um, the Rabbani Shalom sends Moshe to, uh, to the Kalisrol. He gives them the four Lashinas of Geula. And he says, um, then. Then it says that Moshe spoke. They didn't listen to him. So then it says, Talk to Paray. So Moshe said, Call Yisrael, so there's a lot of uh, to talk about about this Kalvachimer, but I don't want to get into this. But he said, Kalvachimer, Call Yisrael, I came to Call Yisrael, told him I want to take you out, they didn't listen to me. How, how would Parah listen to me? Vanir al Svasayim. Okay. Then the Torah interrupts. And it tells you the Yichus of my Shavaran. The Neruvim, my Shimon, my Levi. Nekos tells you the whole yichas. Then the story continues. The narrative is interrupted. And it says, And Moshe said, Why would Parah listen to me? So we have to understand why the Torah interrupts this dramatic narrative to tell us Moshe's Yichas, why couldn't it tell us other places in, uh, in... But Rashi says that these psukim are really a repeat of the earlier psukim. Whenever you interrupt a narrative, you have to go back a minute and, and pick up the narrative, and then you continue. If you interrupt and then you continue, the people who are reading it, the listening to it, will not see the connect. 
So you have to backtrack and, and uh, go back a drop, and then you continue. So these psukim are a repeat of the earlier psukim. Before it says, the, you know, they're not going to listen to me, and Pari won't listen to me. And here, he goes back, to, after the whole yichas, he does this again. Why he interrupts? We will, we'll, Yet Hashem, when we get to Ve'ero, we'll explain that. But we interrupted, we have to pick up the narrative. But you'll notice that the first time, there's a Kalvachimer. There's a Kalvachimer. The second time he says, won't listen to me. Where's the Kalvachimer? There's no Kalvachimer. The first, the second time he says, What does Ani Hashem mean? Rashi says, It's appropriate for me to send you on the shlichas. Now we have to understand what this means, and maybe, maybe we'll, uh, understand, we'll learn about it in Feira. Like right now, I, I don't know what to tell you, but Ani Hashem, something significant. The first time it says, doesn't say any Hashem. You see from here that when the Torah interrupts a narrative and the Torah repeats a Pasik to pick up a narrative, the Torah doesn't want that any Pasik on its own has no value. The Pasik is there only to pick up, it's just a gratuitous repetition, it's just there to pick up the narrative and it has no intrinsic value. So both of these were true. There was a Kalvachimer and, and, and there was an Ani Hashem. The first time doesn't mention Ani Hashem, just the Kalvachimer. The second time he says Ani Hashem, doesn't mention the Kalvachimer. That means each, each Pasik, the earlier Pasik, the later Pasik, <coughs> tells us something that the other Pasik doesn't tell us. So since we have to interrupt the narrative for some reason, which we will come to, and we have to repeat the earlier Pasik, the Torah makes sure that the two Psukim are not exactly identical. You see the same thing when Yaakov went, um, he went to Padan at the end of, at the end of Toldos. Vayetze Yaakov, he sent him and he went to Padan Aram. Then you go to Vayetze Yaakov and Vayetze Charana. He went to Charan. So is it Padan Aram was it Charan? So over there also he interrupted, the, I mean it's a short interruption, but it tells you that Esav married the daughter of, of Ishmael. So the first time when it says he left, it says he went to Padan Aram, which was the name of the province. The second time when he left, it tells us he went to Charan, which is the name of the town. So therefore, even though you have to repeat that Pasuk, it tells you a different piece of information. So that's the same thing over here. The first time it says, this is an interruption. The second Pasuk where it says, the Yosef Hurd Mitzrayim of is really picking up the narrative. It's a repeat of the earlier Pasuk. He's just picking up the narrative because we had an interruption with the story of Yudas and Tamar. So the Torah doesn't want that the second Pasuk should have no information of its own, only be uh, an identical copy of the earlier Pasuk. So the first Pasuk tells you that the Medyonim did the Mechira. That's what we figured out from these Pesukim. The Medyonim did the Mechira. The second Pasuk tells us that he bought him from the Ishmaelim. So this is a cloud that you use all over the Torah. I don't remember offhand where other places that the Torah does not want. A Pasuk should be repeated without giving you 
new information. Thank you very much. I hope to see you again next week.